just I get tears in my eyes because I mean who are who am I and who are you uh, who do we think we are I mean think about it in outside of Jesus Christ and I'll bet you've all seen this you if you watch any news at all I don't care what flavor of news you're watching but if you watch any news at all you know outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ man is the worst animal on the planet there is no animal kingdom that does to its own kind what man does to its own kind. Uh, and that's because we have a sin nature. And, uh, and this, this is a crazy time uh, our country has been going through for a, uh, two years now, just about. Uh, on the 18th of August, Cindy lost her mama. Her mama died on the 18th of August. On the 21st of January of this year, I lost my twin brother, Vern. And uh, he was a hoot, but he uh, COVID took him, and and his her mama was praying to go home because she was 96 years young, still sharp as a tack up here, but her old body was a mess. Anyway, that's just kind of some of the background on on why Cindy and I have so much to be thankful for. I just told you about, about some tragedies, and then I, I mentioned to what we have to be thankful for, but I'm not, I'm not here today to talk about just us or just the gospel, although the gospel is in this message, but I'm here today to talk about that guy back there on the back wall, uh, not Jason so much. You know, you, you guys know Jason Cervisi. Jason Cervisi and I, uh, it's probably good we don't hang out that much together. Now, we're the kind of guys that would go to other people's family reunions just to let both sides fight over who we belong to. You know, you know. Uh, they say, no, they're not on our side. They're, they got to belong to your side. No, we do that kind of thing, wouldn't we, Jason? We do. Uh, it's such a blessing. Alan Haskell, I could talk to you for a long time. Now, the good news is I know a lot about Alan Haskell. The bad news is I don't know much about you folks, so I will talk less about Alan than I will about you folks. But I'm, I'm because you don't know me, because I, I really, I am nobody. I'm, I'm, you folks back there, you don't know me. And if I tell you I love you, you're going to think I'm weird. But... But I do, because the Bible says I got to, you know. You ever, you ever look at it from that standpoint? I mean, David, David might say, uh, hey, Virgil, do you love me? And I say, yeah, I sure do, David. And he would say, are you sure? And I say, well, the Bible says I got to, Dave, you know. <laughs> Just kind of, kind of, there you go, kind of. Anyway, my sermon today has to do with Alan's expectations for all of you folks and all of you folks' expectations for Alan and how that works out there's, a, there's an awkward chemistry there, isn't there? In any relationship, there's an awkward chemistry. Uh, for example, I heard a story. I heard a story about a new preacher that came to a church, and he preached a, a great sermon on that Sunday, and they shook his hand on the way out, and they, they said, that's a wonderful sermon. And next Sunday they came, and he preached exactly the same sermon. And they thought, they thought well, he must have just kind of goofed, and they shook his hand, said, great sermon on the way out, and, and the boy did a good job again, and the third Sunday, he preached the exact same sermon, and someone said, uh, hey, pastor, that's the same sermon you preached the last two Sundays. He said, yeah, I know, and as soon as I see some of that sermon showing up in your life, I'll preach something else. Because seriously, when we ask God, when we ask God for guidance or truth, and he's already given you some truth, and you're not doing anything with it, why should he give you any more? Uh, that's a little awkward, a little convicting for every one of us now. Uh, and something I wanted to mention, I love this quote. It's by a guy named Mark Twain. I think he and I, me, he and I and Jason were probably have had a ball together. Mark Twain said one time, it's not the passages of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the passages that I do understand because they're the ones that I'm called to hold on to. 
They're the ones I'm called to live. I'm going to go pretty quickly down quite a few scriptures because you don't know me and you really don't care about my opinion. But the scriptures, the scriptures are so accurate and the scriptures are timeless. The scriptures are absolutely truth. They're absolute truth and we are not. Now, I can misuse the scriptures. I can lie to you and use the Bible to do it. And I'll bet some of you here, I'll bet some of you here have been lied to and someone has used the Bible. <laughs> Thank you. This young lady's saying, yeah, I heard that guy. Yeah, or that lady or whoever it was that did it. I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to start out on the church's assignment. The church's assignment. And I'm going, this is my first point, and I'm going to go through these points pretty hard and fast, and thank you so much for having these wonderful people who are going to make me look a lot smarter than I am by putting all of this stuff up on the wall and, and the church's assignment. So why? Why do we have church? What is a church? What is it for? What are you here for? What's, what does God want David and I to do? What does God want you and I to do? And I'm going to chew up this, this, hang on now, we're going to go kind of quick. Matthew 28, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, Matthew 28, verses 18 through, however far I go here, 18 says, then Jesus came to them. Jesus is about to step out of this world. He's about to ascend out of this planet, off this planet and out of this world. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, my God and my King, Lord, you who made every one of us here, Lord, you can look into the heart and the mind and the life of every person within the sound of my voice, and you know the good things, and Lord, you know the hurts. Heavenly Father, you know the joys, and you know the tears. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, O Lord, for the scriptures. Thank you, Lord, most of all for Jesus Christ who died for us. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit of God. And right now, Lord, I would ask for you to use your holy words on your holy people. And may your Holy Spirit apply those words to our heads and our hearts that we might be different for all of our tomorrows for our understanding of you today. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for this sturdy table. <laughs> and uh, that was his commission for us. He gave us a duty. He said, go and make disciples. And go, in, in today's world, I think, if he was talking, if he was talking to me and Alan Haskell, he would say, go and tell people about me and use words if absolutely necessary. Isn't it, it, it's just incredible to think that God himself sent Jesus Christ down so that he could die for our sins so that you would know how much he loves you. And that's just, that's just like the, that's like the warmest loving hug you could ever imagine. And it never goes away. Never goes away. When he talks about all authority in heaven and earth, on earth has been given to me, go and make all disciples. He means anywhere. He doesn't mean you're supposed to go to a certain destination. Maybe he means where you are. This morning in the hotel, I love to give out a little, a little white book called, the name of the book is Done. It's an awesome book. And I've got about 20 of them in my car that I haven't given away yet. But I, uh, anyway, I, this man and his, his wife, I think, anyway, this older couple, older, they were probably in their 50s, they had a little granddaughter, they had a granddaughter with them, and I gave the granddaughter a comic book Bible. And then I looked at the man, and he was, 
I told him I was a preacher from Illinois, and he kind of bristled, you know, like men do. Because men, men don't like religious people. Because religious people are, in many ways, religious people are jerks in many ways. Because they look down their nose at you. Because they think they're so incredibly better than you. And, you know, Jesus had that same circumstance. Have you ever thought about that? Anyway, I walked up and I, and, uh, I said, but this book I give to the adults because, and he looked at me. I said, because religious people don't like to hang around with me much, and I'm okay with that. Because religious people didn't get along with Jesus when he was here, and so I'm okay with them not getting along with me either. And, and he was like, oh, and I, I had his attention because he knew I wasn't going to dump religion on him. And I said, the gospel message is so amazingly clear in this book. It's written as if your grandfather had written it with common sense and clarity. And the gospel message in that book helps us to understand that you can't do anything to add to what Jesus has done. And that's the name of the book. It's done. It's, a, it's called, I call it the done book. So the commission is to go and make disciples. If you want a standard operating procedure for that commission, I jumped over, and I could have gone many, many places. The next, next part will be in the book of John. The commission is to go and love people in Jesus' direction. That would be how we would maybe interpret making disciples. And in the book of John, chapter 13, verses 34, it says, A new command I give you. Jesus is talking to all his disciples. The ones he was about to leave, he just washed their stinking feet. He had just done for each one of them what they wouldn't even do for themselves, for each other. And he'd washed their feet, and he said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Wow. And, and you notice he didn't quote the Ten Commandments. He didn't give a bunch of rules, did he? He didn't, he didn't lock you into laws. Well, one law, one law. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I, if you want to quote a law, that's a good one to quote. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which means it might take you one direction, hon, and take me the other. And, and if I can help you in some way while we're passing, I will, or I should. But I shouldn't criticize what you're doing with that bunch while I'm doing something over here with a totally different bunch because that's why he made us different. Kind of neat. Now, these, this was a kind of the beginning, the qualifications, the, the assignment of the church. Now I'm going to talk about that guy on the back wall and his incredible family. Jamie, I love you. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> If I was going to put a title to this sermon, it would be called The Charge, and, that, and Jason Servici gave me that, but as a, a direction, the, the direction, the charge, an assignment, a, a goal, uh, a duty, sort of. I'm going to turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Where it says, and it's, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the man Timothy as to how to handle himself in a church, in a body of believers. And this is written to Timothy, but I think we can easily adapt it to this man, Alan Haskell. And it says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, Alan Haskell. It says, preach the word. And I'll come back to that, but I'm going to go ahead and re read the rest of the passage. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not, not, not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But, he says, but you, 
But you, Alan, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Back up there where he said, preach the word. Doesn't that leave, that leaves so much to interpretation in many people's minds. The, the written word of God was administered to us by divine, the spirit of God moved men to write exactly what God wanted us to know. But all the word of God is God-given. Not all the word of God is appropriate. Not all the word of God is applicable. I should not take an Old Testament law and smack David with it. Thank you for sitting on the front row, Dave, so I can pick on I. I should not use Old Testament laws to tie you into a bundle of restrictions. Even the Apostle Peter said, come on. Why are we giving them the stuff that neither we nor our forefathers could bear? When he says to preach the word, I, I understand that by the written word of God that we have in black and white and the living word of God that we have in Jesus Christ. And if you ever bring something that you feel is the word of God to someone that does not agree with how Jesus Christ lived, loved, and died, don't say it. Keep your yap shut. I mean, just don't say it because if it doesn't agree with Jesus, it's not right. Um, I wrote down here, I put in my notes, and you all will understand this. I, I actually thought about bringing a kayak paddle or a canoe paddle to church this morning because you all, if you've ever been in a kayak or a canoe, you all know the truth in what I'm about to say. It's hard to steer a ship or a boat or a canoe or a kayak that isn't moving. Now, let me tell you something about the vessel on the back wall. He is always moving. He is always doing something in the direction of Jesus Christ and the people for whom he died. So he is easy to steer because he's always moving. I watched him go through a, a pastor position at Cartersburg and, and the circumstances and the heartaches and the struggles and yeah you know something he something he never ever did he never stopped he never stopped he kept going you know if you put the canoe paddle in on the left side of the canoe flat against the direction you're going and you're not moving doesn't make a bit of difference it doesn't do anything but if you're moving through the water in that canoe, and you put the paddle on the left-hand side of the boat, on the canoe, and you put it square against the direction you're moving, it will make a big difference. And your, your ship starts moving in a different direction. It's hard to steer a ship that isn't moving. And that man and that woman and their family and the ministry that basically is all of them, it really is, They're, they never stop. Everett, I love you. Everett, I love you. See, that's the way we're supposed to be right there. <laughs> I love that boy. <laughs> the second part of my sermon is about you folks. <laughs> uh, I was just told yesterday about a church, a church that's almost out of business. A man told me he was buying this church building. I know the man who pastors that church building. He started that church building about 15 years ago. Uh, and I thought it was a pretty, a pretty active ministry. I didn't know that there was only four families going there. Those four families are all related to him. And he's a very legalistic man. If you don't dress like him and act like him and talk like him and walk like him, then you've got sin in your life, that kind of thing. Now, now, wait a minute. You, you might say, now, wait a minute. I belong to Jesus. And I would say, oh, but you're not acting like me. And she would say, now, wait a minute. I belong to Jesus. And she might say, hey, Virgil, which one of my sins did Jesus not die for? 
And I would say, uh-oh. You're right. He died for all of them. And when you were adopted as his, as his son, and when I was adopted as his son, you might be an awesomely wonderful son, and I might be an ornery cotton picker. But think about it. We're still his sons, aren't we? I had a woman at our church, and I'm getting off a little bit, but I had a woman, lady at our church. I love to tell stories. That's my bride, Cindy Lou, back there. So I, I constantly, when someone says, someone might say, sir, someone might say, are you, are you sure you're a pastor? And I say, well, yeah, I'm sure I pastored two churches there in central Illinois. And Cindy Lou, that's her name, it really is. Cindy Lou says, if God can use Balaam's donkey, he can use Virgil too. Thank you for that. Now, Cindy Lou never says that, but it always gets a smile out of somebody. But uh, the congregation, 1 Peter, one thing we have in common, congregation, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, it says, in Jesus Christ, it says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Congregation, if you know Jesus Christ, you can't die. Yeah, your body can. Your body can, can quit. I could fall down up here because of any one of a number of radical things, and, and someone would come up and put their hand on my carotid artery and say, nope, he's dead. And Cindy would say, where's, where's that life insurance policy? Anyway, no, no. <laughs> No, she wouldn't say that. She would say, no, he ain't. He's not dead. He just moved out. He moved out of, a, he moved out of an old busted up, wore out home, and he's moving into a new one in a whole different, whole different setting of circumstances. Congregation, I, gotta, I have to tell you, my heart hurts today because of something I'm going to share with you right now. And it has to do with congregations. In almost every congregation, and you're going you're gonna to fellowship with me here. In almost every congregation, there's a, several people who love the Lord and want to do whatever he wants them to do. And in almost every congregation, there's a few people that want to make sure that, that we don't get any of them people in our church. And that hurts me so bad to say it. It really hurts me. I actually know of a circumstance in which an older lady offended a young man and his family, offended them deeply by criticizing their little four-year-old, five-year-old boy, four or five years old. Uh, she, said, she said to the mama, the little boy ran up and got a hold of the microphone and said, Hi into the microphone, and the whole audience just smiled and laughed because he was four years old, and he's a gorgeous little high energy, and that older lady said, if that was my kid, I'd beat his. Yeah, that was the last day she ever came to church. God took her home. God took her home. She left church that day, came down with COVID, was sick for several weeks, got out of the hospital, and then in, an, in a rehabilitation place, she died. Don't know exactly why. It wasn't COVID. She got over the COVID. She never came back to that church again after that day. I don't know of anybody that was praying for that to happen. Many of us were praying. Many people were praying that she would get over what she had, but that happened. Legalities. That man whose church is failing. I got a real good butt chewing in Danville, Kentucky, because I was giving one of those comic book Bibles to a little girl, 
and a man walked up behind me in a suit and a tie. He was dressed all fancy, and, and I, I, I was standing in the front of Walmart where I was. I, I really was. You know, Walmart. I, so I looked at that man, and I said, buddy, you really dress up to go to Walmart, don't you? I did. I, that's just the way I am. And, uh, and then I turned around, and I saw the little girl I brought the book in for, and I gave that book to that little girl. And when I turned around, that man was right here by my shoulder, Dave. And, and I, said, uh, I said, hello, sir. I'm just a hillbilly preacher from Illinois, and I give out comic book Bibles when I see kids who might learn about Jesus Christ. And I tell people about him. And the man immediately with this authoritative voice. He was using his big boy voice. That's what my granddaughter was called. He, uh, what, what version of the Bible do you preach from? And I said, well, sir, in the Bible I'm preaching from right now, the left-hand column is the King James Version, and the right-hand column is the New International Version. And I told him, and I said, I assure you, sir, I strive diligently to use the version that the people I'm talking to will understand. Oh, for the next 20 minutes, I got a butt chewing because I didn't use only the King's Ver King James Version and everything else, was, everything else was the devil's Bible and I saw not one hint of love in that man. He invited me to his church. He said there's only about 24 people goes there. I wonder why. I wonder why. In the new, in, when Jesus was here, Jamie, you remember who had, gave him all the static about the specific words that they ascribed to God? They called them the words of God. All of those 613 laws, volumes written on what you could do and had to do and couldn't do and shouldn't do. And I'm going to Kentucky tomorrow evening, and I'm going to meet up with that man, and I may buy his dinner just so I can tell him that I believe in every definition of the term he is a New Testament Pharisee because he's holding. Can you imagine? Can you imagine in glory how it, I don't know how it plays out. But the men who held so tightly to the laws of God in the Old Testament and were smacking people with them just like some preachers take the Old Testament laws and smack people who don't call Jesus their Savior. They smack people for not living. Wow. It's like this. Jamie, it's like, you know, me standing out here telling all these people going by, if you'll get your act together, if you'll get your life straightened out and clean up and cut that hair and what in the wide world is that color for? Anyway, if you'll get everything the way I want it to be, then you can come into our church and we'll introduce you to Jesus Christ. I think that, I think that would make Jesus cry. Because he, why did I die? Can you imagine him saying, why did I die if they've got to do all of this just to make you happy? That's why religious people don't like me. So there you go. Now you know. There you go. Jesus was a Jew. The Messiah was to be given to the Jewish people. Wait a minute. Okay, it's kind of making sense. The Messiah was Jewish. Jesus was a Jew. So we're going to take Jesus in this hand and the Old Testament. Remember the debate they had in the Bible about circumcision and all the laws and all the rules. So in today's world, do we mix them? That's, the, that's why that church that I told you about a while ago that has four families going to it, that's why they only have four families going to it. Because they mixed Old Testament law with New Testament grace, and that breaks my heart. I, I know every one of you here probably know at least one, probably several. Sir, I bet you could name five or six places where there used to be a church. And the church is maybe a house now or an apartment building. Maybe it's gone. Maybe there's corn and soybeans there. We see a lot of that in Illinois, corn and soybeans. Oh, that breaks my heart. Let's see. Let's see what the scriptures say about that. In Acts chapter 15, there was a time, there was a time in the, the first century church, Jesus had died, he'd risen, he, they knew him, they saw him, they held his hands. Thomas might have put his hand in that hole in his side, Dave Thomas. Dave Thomas and Thomas, ain't that, that kind of neat? Anyway, I, by the way, I love that man. I told somebody earlier, that's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> Dave Thomas, yep. 
Anyway, wow, Acts chapter 15. They were in a controversy. There were people following the Apostle Paul around saying, oh, yeah, Paul told you about Jesus. Paul told you about grace, but he didn't tell you that along with grace, you have to be Jewish. You have to adopt the Jewish faith and religion and all this, and then the Messiah, and it, he, he was Jewish. Messiah was promised in Judaism. You have to, no, 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 let's see. What, what did they come up with? Acts chapter 15, Acts chapter 15, verse 19, it says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Now, I'm going to read the, the passage that she has up there. But 19 says, we should not make it difficult. Why in the world would I make it hard for you to find Jesus Christ? Wow. Pas the passage I wanted to read here, it says, verse 24, this is the letter that those Jewish, the Jewish council sent to the churches. And the letter says, we have heard, greetings, it says, we have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose men and send them to you with our dear friends, Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good. <laughs> Listen to this. This is 613 laws. This is the Ten Commandments magnified. Here we go. Are you ready? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Hang on now. This is exactly what you must do. He says, you are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood from the meat of strangled animals, from sexual immorality. You will go to hell if you don't do these things. That ain't what he said. You will do well. He says, you will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. No, don't throw away the rest of your Bible. There's incredible value in the Old Testament, but don't try to apply it where it doesn't belong. The Old Testament can teach us a lot about how much God gave for you and for me. The Old Testament can give us indications of comfort and joy and peace. And The Old Testament's an incredible blessing, but don't apply Old Testament laws to New Testament people. Jesus Christ died. I had a lady... Kind of reminds me of you, young lady. I had a lady in one of our churches. I was telling those stories, and she said, Now, wait a minute, Virgil. You'll, you'll go to hell for lying just like you will stealing. She said that. Now, many of us have heard that, haven't we? We've heard that line. You'll go to hell for lying just like you will. I said, Oh, no, no. Her name is Joyce. I love her to pieces. She's a character. She's about, she's vertically challenged. She's a little taller than a piano. Anyway, not a very big piano either. Uh, I love her to pieces. She's a sweetheart. And I said, Joyce, I said, I love you, Joyce. But I said, Joyce, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joyce. It would take more power to send me to hell than the power it took to raise Jesus from the dead because I belong to him. And she was like, okay, Virgil. Yeah, she's like, oh, and she knows I love her. She does, really does. Yeah. Bless her heart. Acts 15, 24 through 29 says, hey, since you belong to Jesus, show some of his love to those who are, have a background of legalism. That doesn't mean you have to be legalistic, but it means you need to show his love. I'm almost done. I promise I'm almost done. Here we go. I got another passage of Scripture in reference to relationship. Alan Haskell and Jamie, that whole family, will be your pastor. How they and how you work together may make or break the ministry. There is going to be things in your lives 
that might give you animosity toward them. There might be things come into their lives that give them animosity toward some of you. Not all of you are as wonderfully adorable as me. Okay. My wife told me to say that. No. No, she didn't. But we all, don't we all grade on each other? We all kind of, we grade on each other because we're different. And we're supposed to be. We're delightfully different. And we're supposed to be. I'm going to turn now to the passage, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, so you'll know who you are. In Jesus Christ, if you're here today with him, this is who you are. If you're here without him, you think we're nuts, and that's fine. I just hope you feel like you've been loved on when you leave here, if you're here without him. And if you leave here without him, I hope you find him either here or somewhere before it's too late. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, he's talking to his church. He's talking to his people. Peter says, but you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. His mercy is that even though I'm not perfect, I'm his. His, perfect, his mercy is even though you're not perfect, you can belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Lord just laid on my heart to tell a story about something happened in that youth group one time. But anyway, before, before I tell that story, I want us to consider the fact that what you are, what we are, what you are here is not an organization. It's so easy for us. I, many of us work places where you'll see an organizational chart and the CEO and the CFO and all them big dogs are up here and then they got more boxes down here and all the names and then the frontline supervisors and Jesus Christ took the organizational chart that started with God and came down to all the religious people and he turned it upside down. Jesus Christ washed their feet. An accurate portrayal of the duties of that man on that back wall would be to wash the feet of whoever needed it. And you know what I can safely say about Alan Haskell? He'd do it. That's what I like about the guy. He would do it. It's not an organization. It's an organism. Now I'm going to go to another passage of Scripture. In fact, I'm going to skip 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 goes into intricate detail to point out that we are all one of the same body. Well, I'll go there. I'll go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says... I'm only going to read a few. 12 through 14 says, Just as a body, though one, this, just like my physical body here, just as a body, though one, has many parts. All its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. In Jesus Christ, this is one body. It says, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. That's common sense. Common sense. No, you know, don't you, that when your whole body is in good shape, you're doing okay, but when you're driving that great big spike nail, and instead of the spike nail, you hit the thumbnail, your whole body focuses on that thumb. And you do this kind of a dance, you know, and sometimes, sometimes you put it in your mouth because it's, you're just bleeding and doggone that hurts. Your whole body is focused right there because that hurt. This whole body, when the pain happens there, should be focused right there. This whole body, 
when the joys happen right there, can rejoice with you. This whole body, there's no, we talked about this a while ago, Jason and I were talking, and there's no place in any ministry, no place in the church, no place in the body of Christ where someone could say, it's not my job. It's not there. If you see something needs done, we're, Dave, we're supposed to, if we see someone needs loved, we're, if, we, if we have the wherewithal, we should give. Nobody in this world should be more generous than Christian people. <sighs> wow. Last verses, I promise. The book of Ephesians is where I'm going. Thank you so much for you folks back there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, you're making me cry. <laughs> but uh, tears aren't a bad thing. <laughs> except they, except they <laughs> make it hard to see through these goggles that I got to wear. Oh, Jesus Christ loves you so much. If I could impress everyone here with one thing, only one thing, Cindy, I would impress everyone here with how incredible, how much God loves each one of you. He knows your good parts. He knows your bad. Come on. Don't think you're hiding anything from him. Think about it, right? Right? Think about it. He knows everything about you, and he loves you fiercely. Fiercely. Last point I'd like to make in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, says, as a prisoner for the Lord. And think about that. Paul used that wording. Paul said, as a prisoner for the Lord. Can you imagine being the prisoner of someone who has total resources, absolute power, and he adores you? I'm the prisoner of someone who adores me? Bring it on. Come on, bring it on. Wow, if he adores me, he's got total resources and total, total unlimited power, and he adores me, I will gladly be his prisoner. He goes on to say, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. And he's writing this to all of us, all of that one body. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Did you hear that? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There, now listen, there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, that wonderful song we sang a while ago, that hope that is in Jesus Christ. You were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. I know Alan Haskell. Much better than I know everybody else here. And I know Alan Haskell is focused on Jesus Christ. And I know Alan Haskell is going to need your help. Not to, not to, build, not to build a church, please. Please. I, I, I don't want you to build a church. I want you to build the kingdom of God. And if you build the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit working in this assembly, will build this church. I, I hesitate to even ask Alan to make a commitment. But Alan, Alan, will you stand up, sir? And I... I know that you speak for your wonderful family. And Alan Haskell, will you solemnly promise to do everything you can by the grace of God working on you and in you and through you? Will you promise to do everything you can to help these people and more, 
know Jesus Christ? I knew you would. Have a seat. Now the rest of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, will you solemnly promise to pull alongside of that man because it's not an organization. It's an organism. You're part of the body, and he needs every part. The church needs every part. The body of Christ needs every part pulling. Jason coaches softball. Jason, have you ever seen a girl who was strong in one part of her body and very weak in the other part of her body, which prevented her from being the player she could be? You have, haven't you? Maybe she's got powerful shoulders, but she's got weak ankles or knees or legs. The body of Christ. I want each one of you to look at yourself and consider, am I a strong part of the body of Christ? That's called self-evaluation. Are you a strong part of the body of Christ? Are you going to be pulling in the same direction with Alan and Jamie Haskell and Levi and Austin? And it's, it's one body. It's one unit. When something hurts, find it and put a Band-Aid on it. The problem is, sometimes... We don't tell anybody when we hurt, don't we? <laughs> Sometimes we just, we just grin and bear it. So, as part of the family, we get to tell people when we're hurting. As part of the family back there, thank you so much, you guys in the back. As part of the family, we get to have help when we need it. As part of the family, we're all in this together. So I would ask everyone except for Alan and Jamie Haskell and Levi and Austin. I see Levi. I don't see. I would ask everyone except them. Will you all promise, solemnly promise to help do your part as a portion of the body of Christ? Will you solemnly promise to do that? If you will, please say, I will. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. How long have I gone? I don't even know. You notice I don't have a watch. I don't have my phone. So, huh? I got an hour left. Young man, you were in the military, weren't you? You know what? You know what I can say to him and to every one of us here? The most patriotic thing you can do in this country today is introduce somebody to Jesus Christ. And the reason I say that is if they don't know Jesus, they don't have a give a dang. If they don't know Jesus, they don't care if this world goes to hell in a handbasket. It doesn't matter as long as I'm doing okay. But if they know Jesus, it changes our priorities, doesn't it? Because Jesus said, I'm to love you even if I don't know you. And Jesus said, I'm to love you like he loved me. And he died for me. Wow. You want me to tell that story, Cindy Lou? I don't know. Huh? I don't have. Yes, I do. I almost didn't have one. I carry a red marble almost every day of my life. Oftentimes, I have two or three. They sell these at Hobby Lobby, and I buy them there. And this is why I buy them. One night at a youth meeting, I, I had been given, Jason and I had been given a, a question. They were going to ask me. And uh, the question was, a sweet little 13-year-old girl said, the question that was I, I was to address in front of boys and girls, they were like from 9 years old to 16 years of age. There was, must have been, I don't know, 12, 14, 15 of them. And the question was, I am gay, am I going to hell? The question was, I am gay, am I going to hell? So I said, I told them the question. And I said, I've got a question for you, young people. Just exactly what decides whether you go to heaven or hell? 
I said, does your behavior decide if you go to heaven or hell? You could have heard a pin drop. I said, because if your behavior decides whether you go to heaven or hell, why the hell did Jesus die? Those, t those kids were quiet. And the question was, I am gay, am I going to hell? Does your behavior decide whether you go to heaven? For the next several minutes, I talked about what decides whether you go to heaven or hell. Who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your behavior, David? Or are you trusting in Jesus Christ that died for your behavior? After I led them in a sinner's prayer, I had a whole bunch of these marbles with me, John. And I said, I want every one of you young kids who prayed that prayer with me, when you leave, I want you to take one of these red marbles that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from how much sin? All. Oh, thank you, sir. All. Yesterday's and today's and tomorrow's. All sin. It makes me a child of his. <laughs> you can call me Prince Virgil if you want to. Anyway. I told them, you carry that in your pocket. You remember, you remember the tall with your head up because you're a child of the king. I didn't tell them not to behave a certain way. I'm not going to put laws on them, but I am going to tell them to act like who they belong to. Doesn't that change the focus completely? That's why I carry a red marble in my pocket almost every day anywhere I go so I can tell people about the love of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses me from all sin, cleanses you from all sin. If you're here today and don't know him, you, you think we're nuts, and that's fine. I just, I just hope you think we're loving, caring, compassionate nuts, okay? I really do. God bless you. God bless you as a church family. God bless you as a body of believers who are going to lift one another up in every regard. In every regard. Join me in a word of prayer as I close. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, thank you. That young man said I had another hour. He doesn't know I could go for another hour. Lord, you're awesome. Heavenly Father, you are so amazing. I don't know. I suppose I'd go till I dropped because you are you. And Heavenly Father, oh, Lord, thank you for each one here that now can, can completely understand that it's, it's all everyone's job. There's not a place for it's not my job. Everything is my job. When you show it to me, I'm supposed to do something about it. Oh, Heavenly Father, may the love of Jesus Christ overwhelm this assembly. May the power of the Holy Spirit be effective in this assembly in showing other people, around each one of us, showing other people how much you love them. Oh, Heavenly Father that the name of Jesus Christ might go forth and be lifted up in this community. I pray, O oh Lord, that, that while they may not build a church, they may build the kingdom of God. And then, Lord, we're going to praise you when you build the church. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege of telling others about you. Lord, I love you and I praise you, and I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you are beating me to it. Go ahead and stand. We can just dwell in his love, right? Why would we deny anyone else that? There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. Lost in your love Sing it again 
There's no place I would rather be, no, no place I would rather be, no. there's no place I would rather be than here in your love, lost in your love. There's no place, no place I would rather be, there's no place I would rather be, lift it up. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love, lost in your love. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. Oh, I want more of you, God. Could you imagine a better place to be than His love? There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. No, there's no place I would rather be. I'm here in your love. I'm lost in your love. There's no place I would rather be. Lord. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. I'm here in your love. Lost in Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. Oh, I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. Pray it. I want more of you. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. Oh, I want more of you, God. There's no place, there's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love, lost in your love, praising. No place I would rather be, lift it up. No place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love. Just our voices. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love. God, I'm lost in your love. Amen. Amen. I could keep going. I mean, I'm hungry, but I could just keep going. <laughs> Listen. Ooh, that's hot. When... Uh, when Virgil asked me how long he can speak, I said, let the Spirit lead you. I should have gave him a time frame. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, um, in all seriousness, like you guys have heard me say this before, right? The Bible commands us to love one another. It doesn't tell us to like them. And so hopefully we can like everyone. That's a Virgil saying. So if you guys want to know where that came from, it's Virgil's fault, okay? So anyway, this week as we go out, all right, love people, all right? This world is filthy and dirty, and you can find anything to argue with someone about, anything, especially in today's world, all right? Look for a reason to love them, all right? Who cares about their lifestyle, their politics, their view on COVID, all that crap? Love them. Just love them. That's hard. It's hard, right? Heck, sometimes it's hard for me to love my wife, all right? I'm just being honest. It's harder on her than me. But anyway, go out in the world this week and find someone to love. And if there's someone that you work with that you don't love or like, 
bring up the love of Jesus this week. Let's pray. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for this church. Lord, we just pray that as we go forward, Lord, that you'll continue to be with the Haskells. Lord, that you'll be with our team. Lord, we just pray that we can continually love one another. Lord, we pray that when one hurts, we all hurt with them. Lord, when one rejoices, we rejoice with them. Lord, we just ask that you continue to watch over us. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a great. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you want any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.